My name is Rachel White, and people call me the Skeptical Shaman. They say it like it's a contradiction, but it's not. For more than a decade, I've been researching and building tools for the spiritually homeless. You know, the curious but critical thinking people that, like me, have had a tough time navigating a landscape of gurus and grifters and crystal heavy people. Searching for a way to fill what Neil Gaiman called that God-shaped hole. All while, of course, not getting taken. As the host of the Skeptical Shaman podcast, I want to help us all develop a map of this confusing terrain. I'm going to talk to everybody. The curious, the skeptical, the cynical, and yes, even the true believers. Together we can safely explore the world of Wu and get closer to some meaningful existential truths. This is The Skeptical Shaman. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Skeptical Shaman podcast. I am joined today by not one, not two, but three magical ladies. The Weird Sisters from Macbeth, the three fates of Greek mythology. <laughs> Those are all compliments, by the way, to anyone who knows me. Um, Abigail Kachunas, Karen Cadero, and I'm going to let you do the rest of your last name because it's a hyphenate, and I... I pretty sure I just butchered the pronunciation, and lovely Laura Oxendine. So um, we'll start with Abigail. Abigail, you've been on the show before talking yes, about I have. fun stuff, cool stuff, slick stuff like Scientology. <laughs> but why don't you give everybody a bit about your background and, and you know what, we're having technical difficulties. So we're going to put Karen on. Karen, why don't you go ahead while Abigail gets her microphone set up? Okay. Hello. Um, yes, you did pronounce my name correctly, Rachel. Thank it's Karen Caderos Kaplan. That's what I thought. I, but when I do you ever say something, but then it sounds wrong when you say it? Yeah, but it was yeah. fine. It was fine. It was probably um, I had a little bit of a frontal lobe seizure there or something. <laughs> um, no. So a little bit just about my background. I um, um, I was a professor. I was a teacher. But I, I, I've since been retired and I started a journey on uh, doing yoga training and some other um, healing modalities. And um, anyway, came into this path. It's probably been my path my whole life, but there were those moments that zig and zag. Um, but came back to finding this work with Rachel at a time where I was, um, I'm just going to say I was curious and I needed clarity. And I know we're going to get more into that later, but my work right now is I'm, an, um, I'm, a, I'm a potter. I do um, pottery here in California. I'm in San Diego and also do sound healing and um, intuitive art. So that's kind of where my path is at right now. I love it. And Laura? Um, my name is Laura Oxendine. I'm a visual artist and came up uh, making a lot of abstract, experimental uh, animations and video work and uh, doing a lot of different things, video photography. And right now I'm very into black and white ink drawings. Um, my husband and I, we own a, uh, we like to call a, uh, a tiny yet mighty creative studio um, called Throne Light. Uh, we specialize in video and animation, some white label work and um, some visual effects and experimental uh, experiential visuals. Um, so I came in this not entirely knowing why, um, but just kind of feeling drawn to do it. So I'm sure and by this, you mean that. the coaching program yes. or just psychic stuff in general? Because uh, is that your first toe in, basically? 
Yeah, like I had done um, some group like chakra journeys and things like that that were uh, a friend invited me to. And I was again, I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but uh, I trust the friend. <laughs> um, but it was a group setting and that was really great. But I am kind of like the one who ends up doing all the group work in group projects. So I was looking for more of a one on one to figure out what's best for me. So yeah. And Abigail. Hi, I'm Abigail Kachunis, and uh, I am a practitioner, but also an artist. I've been an artist for most of my life. And yes, I've been on the show before talking all culty things. <laughs> I do and... think it was the ghost of L. Ron Hubbard that cut your mic there. But I, I just so want to state too. that for the record. <laughs> um, and what drew me to this program and working with Rachel is, well, having come from my background, I am very wary of community in general, especially spiritual communities. Um, I've seen a lot of the negative, uh, harmful aspects of that. And just kind of getting to a point in my own practice with going, there's something else here. So it was basically, you know, intuitive guidance that that brought me to this. And I grew up partially Buddhist, pagan, Christian, and once I started studying shamanism, I was like, this feels a lot like the way I grew up. So that was the other mm. uh, main reason to join this. And there's been a lot of revelations. But yeah, I, I have my own practice here, sacred healing art, offering energy work, sound healing, custom aromatherapy, psychic readings, and um, frequency shifting art. And as of the last week, oh, right. animal communication. And animal animal communication. That's been a big thing with this program with you. I am an animal communicator. Yeah. And it turns out my dog is as weird as we thought he was. So yes. I appreciated that input. It really did, Abigail, by the way, side, sidebar, my husband and I, it did make it. We were like, I'm not crying. You're crying. She gave us, sent us a little write-up about us. And it was, it was really dead on. It was like, mm, animals are way better than us. We don't deserve them. One of those. Seriously. Pixar moments. So thank you for that. The reason, as you guys know, I've invited you all here, but the listeners don't know, is you gave a rather spontaneous TED Talk level forum that I happen to be party to that I was like, this is really valuable information for people that are seeking. And, you know, through sharing your human scaled experiences of the last several months, what I gained from that was just this reiterated theme of it doesn't go the way you thought, but it goes the way that totally makes sense in hindsight. Like, oh yeah, of course, look at that. And I worry sometimes that people get very frustrated out of the gate with their spiritual scavenger hunt, if you will. And they go, oh no, I'm not doing it right. Or this happened. Or no, this was a Reiki class. There shouldn't be dead people. I'm doing it wrong. Like the idea mm -hmm. of I'm doing it wrong, or I'm, I'm not good at this, or I'm not psychic, or Sometimes, too, there's an ego attachment to know I'm an empath. I want to be an energy worker when there's another skill or modality that's calling to them. So I was really struck by that. And Karen, you, when we talked last time, I, I will forever remember this phrase and be grateful to you. You basically said about this new modality and arena that's opened up. Um, I got kind of scared by it. I didn't love it. It wasn't what I wanted. But when I held it in my body, when I felt it in my body... <laughs> it fit. Like it made sense in just holding space for it. I was like, that's so simple, but no one does that. Nobody sits with a thing and checks in. 
it's simple but impossible for a lot of us unless we really make it a part of our process. So why don't you share a little bit about like, you know, how you made plans and then God laughed and where we've started now where you are and and where you're looking towards the future because it's very cool work, by the way. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Um I was just as I was listening to Abigail talk and and, and Laura's like, you know, I started like I did a lot of I just want to kind of pretext where I am, like how I got here in a way, because um, I've done a lot of work. I, I've had a lot of experiences in my life where, you know, I lived in Southeast Asia. I've, I've, you know, done this yoga journey. I've done some shamanic work. I've done like work with native healers in Mexico. And, and in all of those different iterations, some of them positive, some of them not so much. Right. And one of the things that I've, I've learned th- through, you know, my, my life journey here. And, and also I think being an educator and an artist teaches you that as well. There's a humbling that happens because when you're working with human beings, other human beings, you start to realize you don't really know shit at the end of the day. Like, you know, a lot, like you can know a lot about, I always say this cause you know, I have a PhD and people are like, Oh, well, you know, it's like, yeah, I know a lot about one thing. And one common the map is not the territory. Yeah. And yeah. one thing I shared with my mom one day when I got my doctorate, she said something to my mentor, she said, you know, I don't understand how she did this because she's still not good at math. And I had a laugh and I'm like, well, you know, my PhD wasn't mathematics. So of course, you know, but anyway, I, I just share that as a context because you just don't one day you show up and say, oh, I've got this because I still don't have it. And, and I think when I made that comment, so when I came into this process, so, you know, doing my, my life path here, and the last five years, um, I had a lot of disruption happening. So I was doing a lot of grief work and kind of like what Laura's saying, like I was doing things with groups and all, but I was really seeking out, you know, like w- some one-on-one work because I thought there's something else here. And so in my journey, I have been practicing sound healing and working in yoga studios and doing intuitive art and thinking, okay, whatever I do next, it has to have something to do with that. So what I had said to Rachel is when I started this program, my only intention was to have clarity. I wanted clarity. I'm where, where am I at now? And cause I've been through a lot of transition. And then as we did this process, it ended up that all of a sudden, you know, I have these skills as mediumship, right? Talking to dead. And I was like, no, that can't be like, that's not yeah. what I signed up for. Like that is not the clarity I was seeking. But what I when Rachel shared that comment, so I had to actually sit with it. And I learned this a lot is like it's really when you're somebody who uses your head 90% of the time and it's taken me like five or six years to start listening to my heart and my body and my intuition over my mind because my mind was like, are you kidding me? Like this is not this is not this is not what you were going to do. But instead of allowing that to take me away I just was like, you know what, just sit with it. And then when I actually sat with it, my body would relax. And I was like, okay, how does this make sense? And I don't know where this goes next. And actually, I just wrote to Rachel the other day, like, I'm not sure what I do next. But then I realized that's my mind wanting to do it next, right? It's my mind saying, okay, now that you got this answer, you need to find out the next thing. And the practice is allow that space to just be. And, then and that's how spiritual work works. And it's so the opposite of how we are like any other high performance environment, work environment. 
whether it's corporate, academic, yeah. as was the case with you or, or whatever it is, you get rewarded for the opposite of what you have to do right. to do spiritual stuff successfully. It's, it's an awkward feeling. And it's interesting because everybody says they want it. They want the thing you got, Karen, <laughs> yeah. but they don't understand that it's going to feel weird, that there's going to be a gap where you just are in that now. Right. Yeah. And yeah, they don't. It, it's it's a fascinating paradox. So, Laura, let's move on to you. Let's bother you a little bit. And then we're going to talk about what everybody's going to do moving forward, because it's it's fun. And Karen, you don't have to have the answers. Obviously, anyone who says, I don't know what's next, I instantly trust them. And I want them to be my psychic. It's the weirdest thing. Because <laughs> somebody's like, and you know what I'm going to do now is I'm going to build a container. That word, if I hear uh, th- I have a six-week container one more time, <laughs> you're going to see me on the local evening news. There's going to be a moment. Because um, it's it's just a, a wild thing to assume you can contain and commoditize everything right away. It's like it, we're talking about the realm of the dead in your case. You know, the spiritual journey. We don't know shit about shit sometimes and it's in that that i think there's real wisdom right so laura you know you didn't put a toe and you went into the deep end as and you thought you were a muggle and it turns out you're not you're from the wizarding world of harry potter so why don't you talk about that a little bit (laughs) yeah sure i have just speaking a little bit of what karen was saying i had a similar thought and it like I worked very well in academia, uh, worked very well in in jobs where it was like, yes, authoritative person, tell me the next thing to do. Um, tell me, give me a checklist. I'll do all of the things. Um, but that's not exactly what happened. And I'm very glad that that's not what happened. So I, I liken it to like a puzzle that it, it ended up being like, I... I'm getting little bits and pieces of information. I took copious notes, um, which I've since gone back and read and be like, whoa, it does all fit together, except I didn't start with the edge pieces. It was like that middle sky piece that it has like no context of like uh, what what's going on. Um, should we keep going? Yeah, keep going. We just lost Karen. The dead came and got her. <laughs> I'm going to send her a note that just says, feel free to rejoin. Oh, there she is. Oh, there she is. There's some, there's some. Karen slipped into the underworld. You know what's weird? And I do want to get back to you, (laughs) Laura. Sorry sorry to be wrong. Karen, I heard dead people whispers. Like to the point where I was like, (laughs) and I was worried that I was going to look like I wasn't listening to Laura. It was so specific that I was like, because I'm like, they're going to, they're going to know that I'm like, because I was, I felt myself like, is it in the room with me or is it on the line? And then you disappeared and I was like, oh no, man down. It's like saving Private Ryan. We all have to go into the underworld and bring Karen back. No, I'm here. Um, Glad you're back. So sorry, Laura. Oh, it's fine. No, no. Um, So yeah, I kind of, throughout the journeys, I I found that the shamanic journeys to be super comforting and also like very full of information that I would not have ever thought would be the case shamanic journeying meditation is legit one of the most powerful tools it's old as hell you don't modify like i've added nothing to it what we do in the the initial like month or so of the coaching program 
and everybody gets tons out of it when they do it. It's incredible. It's amazing. And mine were yeah. particularly visual, which made a lot of sense for me. So there was a lot of like comforting, familiar things that happened. Um, just being with like how vivid my imagination can be. That was very similar to my artistic practice, but I didn't really realize that they would be as linked as they ended up being. And that's like, like I kind of ended up being like, oh man, I do have, there's something here that's just beyond like self-confidence and self-worth uh, things that, you know, I went in being like, I don't entirely know why I'm doing this, but I can put some practical, logical reasons to it if I have to. Um, but it was, it was like I was fascinating myself as I was going along. And that's the best way to explain <laughs> it. That, that is, no one has ever explained it that way. You nailed it. It is. Yeah. And that's why when people express to me that they're bored or frustrated with spiritual work, I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And it happens. Have so you ever quickly. heard the phrase um only bored? What is it? Only boring people get bored. Oh yeah. My grandparents yeah. used to say that to me as a kid. If I was impatient and I was like, I'm bored. And they're like, that you know what that means? You're boring. Go find something to occupy yourself with. <laughs> yeah. Well, they lived through the depression, so it was a different energy. It's like yeah. no time for it. But it's it's yeah. very true. There's a there's a joyful fascination. Mm -hmm. with and your inner world in the world of spirit when you do this work. Yeah, and it happened so quickly. I was like really surprised with how much information came so quickly. Like I did the 30-minute journeys and within the, the like 15 minutes, it was like, man, we went uh, down into caves. Oh. We went into like the crazy forest things. There was a time when I was like had uh, light coming out of my hands uh, to like, nail down some towers that was like some some energy narcissistic person in my life that needed to go before I could do more things it was very cool and also a little unnerving but also uh comforting it's a very difficult for me to explain to be honest with you yeah yeah, yeah it's one of the stories if you don't mind me sharing about the bear in the mud was it the bear in the mud yes can yeah. you just quickly because people do not think this stuff is practical and <sighs> it's crazy practical and i love this example of it are you talking about my poultice yes the mud poultice <laughs> okay so the mud poultice i had back in may i sprained my ankle really badly and mm -hmm. had you know like a fat swollen ankle for like six months and i was doing i believe it was the um soul reclamation journey yeah. um and so it was like going through and trying to like reclaim parts um and like psychic surgery kind of things and there was bear was my totem animal that i was working with at the time and through this i found little me and i was like three or four you know all in my mind's eye and she was sitting with a wounded wolf that had a wound uh on the ankle and I'm like, okay, this is very specific. Uh, and part of the soul reclamation journey was just there was mud everywhere. Like there wasn't even a body. I remember like, you reading what you wrote. You were like, just it's mud. It was dirty. It was, just, it was muddy. It was just mud. Just gross <laughs> mud. I think there were eyeballs. Like it was really gross. But but like kind of fun too. So like part of it was play with my younger self. And then it was she was putting mud on the ankle of the wounded uh, wolf 
And I was like, that's really cool. And she was very excited. You know, this three year old me being like, it'll be okay. She's going to be okay. And then not like a week or so later, my sister who has horses, uh, she was, she was asking me about my ankle and she's like, you should put poultice on it. So apparently there's like this clay poultice that she puts on her horses for inflammation on their legs. And she's like, you should do it. I put it on mom and it worked out great. You know, I didn't tell her about my, my journey. And so sure enough, I've got a seven pound, uh, tub of poultice and I stuck it on there and sure (laughs) it helped so much. It's wild. And so I told Rachel, I was like, this is hilarious. Like, this is a very practical, direct, like, and, and you, you mentioned that it was like I was tuned in to be like okay I'm this isn't just some random suggestion this is maybe something I should try if you hadn't had that experience journey when your sister said that it wouldn't have resonated you wouldn't have seen the quote synchronicity you know Carl Jung term and concept and you did and that's why doing this work if you meditate in this way or you just whatever your spiritual practice is as you go through Mm -hmm. life things come up and you can pay more attention to them. It's like empowered decision-making instead of just, you know, using what Karen was describing that executive function in the brain, which we are grateful for. We need that too. That helps us get a bunch of shit done. But to me, that was like one of my favorite stories ever because it's always in the details that you're like, what? Like (laughs) my mind is blown. That just worked. And it's funny, too, because people think, well, spirits told you to put mud on your ankle. It's like, it, that might be it. In shamanism, we don't care. It's not a religion. So it could be that it's your collective unconscious. You know, you're accessing that pool. It could be ancestral memory in your epigenetic DNA. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. What matters is it it works. And I always say to people who are really obsessed with, like, understanding it all, which is is sort of like a newbie thing. I I get it, but I also have very limited tolerance for it. Mm -hmm. I say, you're trying to get me to explain to you how the watch was made. I don't know how to make watches. But what I can do is tell you what time it is. So what's the point of the exercise? Are we trying to, like, it works. It tells you it's 3 p.m. So let's keep it moving. That's good enough for me, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not Neil deGrasse Tyson ruining children's lives one tweet at a time. That's not, you know, my thing. So... (laughs) I'm over here just trying to do me and hook people up with bears that tell them how to use poultices and shit. So um, Abigail, in terms of like the map is not the territory, because you're a practitioner. And like these other two ladies, you're also an artist. I think that I didn't even realize that until we were having our group spontaneous TED talk that occurred. Um, But it's interesting when people do this work, they think maybe on some level, you never express this, so I'm not speaking for you, but that there's, they get it, they're doing it, they understand it. And what you've done, which is incredible, is take a beat and look at what you're doing and ask yourself, are there other things that are available to me? You know, how am I doing as a human being? Not just how's my practice doing, how are my clients doing, but me. And refining how you go to market like how you work with people based on not just what you're good at and what people want, but like what's good for you. I'll never forget in corporate, someone said to me, just because you're good at something doesn't mean it's good for you. And and that has always resonated with me. I try and use that filter, not always successfully. But why don't you share a little bit about that? So I guess part of the, the gift, if you could call it that, of, you know, being in a cult dynamic is that when you get out of that, um, 
you kind of are allergic to inauthenticity, allergic to bullshit, allergic to things that no longer work for me. So I did a complete life change, uh, purging, releasing all the things. And I made a commitment to myself that I would never do anything again for money that felt harmful to me emotionally, physically, spiritually. And um, I think my business was kind of growing and expanding and taking off, but without it, it felt like it was running me instead mm-hmm. of me running it. So what I've well, been able to doing, do, what you're doing in Los Angeles is yes. a lot. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> Because you're an actress and you're very normal and kind, but it's it's a they're a handful that yes. that geography. Yeah. Yes. There's there's I yes. <laughs> there's a lot of um ego that I'm dealing with here. And there's a also a lot of um just toxic behavior and trauma and all kinds of things that exist here. Um but I think for me it was able to give me some clarity on what feels good for me that feels like where I can be of the highest good and of the highest service for others. You know, I realized in doing that session for Gus, wow, remote. This is my dog, everybody. Oh, yeah. He's so good. <laughs> um, I really- He's my dog in quotes, air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever Gus is. Yeah. He's definitely more than just a dog. Yeah. Um, I think that- for me, the the remote sessions, I didn't realize how powerful they could be. Um, I had a lot, as I was saying to you earlier, Rachel, when we were checking in, um, when people come in to me in person and they're talking a lot or they're frustrated, sometimes I just get the, you know, I'm getting the surface of that anxiety and that worry, but because they're all over the place, I can't really dive in deeper because I don't have access to the energetic body because they're so all over the place. And they're hitting uh, you with the story and the stuff. Right. Like the noise. Yeah. The noise, the noise. And what I realized with the remote session, I was like, there's no noise. I am just purely tuning into that energy body. I'm taking notes of what comes through and I'm able to send a report afterwards. So for me, that feels very tangible. And um, I, I am, I think, a very tangible person. I create art, physical art, as well as being an actor. Um, and there's something that feels very fulfilling and satisfying. And in that, my energy is also protected because I just soak up <laughs> so much of what's going yeah. on out there. And, you know, you'll hear this weird nonsense in the woo world where it's like, well, you know, you don't have to absorb that. You don't have to take that on. You don't have to da, da, da. And it's like, listen, how psychic shit works is on a colander. It works because stuff comes in and goes out and comes in and goes out. It, it, the minute that turns into armor, I'm not getting data any. Like, there's no way around it, frankly. And I've also found that psychics, we, and I'm generalizing, I'll speak m- mainly for myself, but those like me, you're so sensitive and you notice so many things that you get very overwhelmed um, physically. Like, going to dinner makes me very tired very quickly. Because it's all, I can't not know what's happening around me. I can set up like my own energetic protection and stuff, but you are who you are. You are what you are. And you're, you know, a radio receiving signal at all times. So if you can manage that in a way that's better for you and your health, it's that you could do more of it and you could do it better. When I moved to Texas, I was, I was terrified about remote work because having been in Chicago, which has a huge number of people, right? 
I did all in person and I thought that was the way to be. That was my little myth. And then like you, I did a remote session. I was like, oh my God, it's way better. It's because it just cuts right to the marrow. And, you know, I'm neurodivergent. I think we could say gently, that's a safe, that's a safe assumption. And so when someone come in person, I would be like the data, the superficial data, the people data, the stuff. And then also being like, do you need to go to the restroom? Do you need a glass of water? Like, and for people like me, that's a lot. Like that's a task to host someone and be like a proper human being while also being psychic is a wild tightrope thing. When you do remote work, you don't have to do any of that. I feel like it's better for the client sometimes too. A lot of yeah. people think they prefer in person, but I'm like, we should just try remote. You don't know. <laughs> well, I like receiving remote work because I can like Reiki. It's distance Reiki, let's say. I can be in bed in my pajamas in my home where I feel safe and comfortable. And trust me, one time I set up a session with Roger to do energy work on me, forgot about it, was running errands and I got hit with the Reiki. And I was like, and I looked at my phone and I was like, fuck, he's doing Reiki on me. And I was like coming back with dry cleaning. I had to sit on the curb. It's not subtle. It's real. No one's playing with you. If they're a legitimate ethical practitioner, you'll know there's energy work. You don't need to be in the room. Yeah, Karen. I just wanted to jump in on that because um, when I, I was, go I went through a lot of loss within like a two year period and um it ended up that I did for the first time I had done some remote Reiki. It's just funny that you brought that up and um, some other energy work. And I was very skeptical about it because I was like, I don't know, because I'd only had done Reiki in person. And I will say what Abigail said from the practitioner um, from the receiving side of it. It was it was probably some of the, the I don't want to say it was more powerful Reiki, but I got a lot more out of a half an hour of remote in a way that I did not in person. And it's not to say that the in-person wasn't effective. It was, but there was just something about the fact that, okay, I had that half hour. I had that intention and kind of like Rachel, cause I was like late, you know, to get to wherever I was. And I just remember I could, I felt like this jolt. And then I thought, okay, I better just go sit. Right. Because I thought I had time to grab something where I can't remember what the exact thing was, but I, I will say that there is something to that. And even when I did my remote session with Rachel, I was blown away about, because this was with someone I did not know. So it was, it was very powerful. And I think you're right, because when you show up in person, you're also taking in kind of the energy from walking from outside into the room, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're remote, you're in your space and that person's in their space, even if you're doing your dry clean, all of a sudden your space shifts. Yeah. So you you don't have the time to try to make the story like, why am I here? It's like, you're just here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those myths that even we practitioners get, we get boxed in maybe because clients say, but I want to see you in person. We're like, there must be something to it. If everybody's saying it, it's like, not necessarily yeah. a lot of people, you know, a lot of people want to go to war in Iraq. <laughs> like, whoopsie you know like sometimes the the consensus is not the right answer um so in terms of how you're going to take this stuff moving forward i really think listeners are going to want to hear about it from different vantage points because laura you were not a psychic practitioner you didn't necessarily want to become one you know karen you don't know what the hell is going to happen probably because it's going to be awesome and you're just creating space for that and everything but moving forward with 
your insights that you gave yourself, Laura, like how are you bringing this into your business, which is artistic by nature? And like, what are you planning to do with this moving forward? And how has it changed your paradigm a bit? Oh, man. I mean, that's that's quite a question. <laughs> it's the trying, question. It's the question. I think I was really surprised on how similar my artistic practice and this uh, psychic pra- practice, for lack of a better or word, uh, how similar they ended up being. Because like when I first went into it, I'm like, yes, I, I've always had my creative practice. It's been various different things. I'm drawing a lot. Um, and I, I, the more that we worked together and I used drawings as just um, drew little bits and pieces of what came out of journeys. And I'm not, I'm a very, I'm an abstract artist so me trying to draw like a bear or like (laughs) a snake um you know they i had to step back a little bit and being like it's just for me like it doesn't have to be like a perfect you know it could be like my version of it by the way i just got the chills (gasps) i have to interrupt and i thought of rick rubin remember that clip you sent me abigail about (laughs) how as an artist if you make it for yourself that's how you make something extraordinary. That's the, you know, the bestseller, the big breakout hit. Yeah. Yeah. That, that oh God, his his new book is fantastic. That, spoiler alert, it's going to be the Totem Book Club pick oh, for December, by the way, guys. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a must read for everybody, in my opinion, creative or Because not. to your point, creativity, when you access that energy, it's the same thing as psychic energy. You know, the ancient Greeks said, you had a genius. You weren't a genius. You had a genius or a demon. You know, different spelling. Everybody don't freak out. Or <laughs> you had a muse that came to yeah. you. You didn't create your ideas. You had something visit and like bless you with. The, and it was all very spiritual language for. Yeah, art. yeah. I I call myself a conduit for whatever creative energy wants to come through. And I was doing that already, but now it's like I was able to give some additional context to it, um, some some like a deeper, richer purpose to it, which I, I really loved. And I was surprised. You're, you're right when you said that I did not go into this expecting to be a practitioner or do this was all for for, you know, for me first and for my own personal and creative development but then I was like when I did the practice sessions and they worked you know quote unquote worked you know I did three different ones and each time it was what came through was pretty specific to the individual and there was a yeah I'll speak as one of those practice session clients (laughs) because I can it it was so specific to me in areas that no one knew about like very, very, you know, getting to the marrow, the spiritual marrow of the thing. Yeah, I was like, I was beaming. Like I didn't even have the words when you told me about it because there was a like a trust fall that happened with it too of being like, I'm doing this kind of for the first time. You know, you kind of want everybody to have this beautiful, glorious, uplifting uh, reading. And some of them were quite heavy and sad and it, it was like a trust to be like hey this is what's coming through I don't I don't really know um so to answer get back to your actual question is I'm I'm really curious to do more of the practice sessions so what that ended up looking like for me was they were remote um and it was a combination of pulling tarot cards which I've done for myself you know for the past couple of years but learning a little bit more about that and 
doing readings for people. And then I, I'm sorry, what is the the word? the text-based fragment stickomancy stickomancy that word has mm -hmm. not stuck in my head pun intended. it's a terrible word and it <laughs> doesn't sound like what it is at all it, it's yeah when you get an excerpt from mm -hmm. a book or a line of text or prose or poetry and it yeah. has a specific psychic meaning and so i would i started doing that um for people as a as a part of the session and then sketching and drawing and just sort of channeling whatever wanted to come through again pretty abstracted and then finishing up those drawings and then sharing them with um the individual and then there there was like this beautiful like when I was packaging them up together it just felt really good and so I think what it wants to be or you know I'm kind of open to what it wants to be but I'd love to create a uh I hate to call it a product but like a tangible yeah. object that of like a premium, a nice box, beautiful drawings, maybe like uh, you know some sort of nice, nicely designed text uh, information, and then just like this object to send to people. As it's like a memory box of the yeah. psychic session of the snapshot in time. Yeah, and yeah. Abigail, sorry, I just want to comment on on the session that I had with Laura because oh, it that's was, right, you were a practice client. It was extraordinary. I was like moved to tears at the end of it about the importance of art. Um, she does, I mean, I'm a stranger to her. She doesn't know anything about me. And I, because I'm also very visual as I was, you know, kind of there resting in the space as she was intuitively channeling the sketches, I saw myself on a path and I'd been going through, still going through something very difficult um, of, of letting go of. And I was like, and I had been asking myself, how am I going to move forward? And of course, the cards were all accurate. And when she showed me the the sketch, I was like, that that is exactly what exactly what I saw. And the text that she pulled um, was from a book, and and maybe you can pop in out and clarify that once I finish this, Laura, um, about uh, fragrance or perfumery. And what she didn't know was over the last like month to two, my sense of smell, that that psychic thing had amplified mm -hmm. so much. And I've always, I have always been obsessed with fragrance and perfumes and the different houses of who's making what. Now I've moved away from chemicals and all of that. But I was, I could not believe it. I was like, you need to like get this as a session because the thing is, we're so logical and linear in this society. Yeah. And that's why I think people get frustrated on their spiritual journey when they're stepping into a place of working with a coach. Because they, like you said, they're like, well, I don't understand how the watch is made. You're missing the whole point. Or if the coach is like being an accountability Nazi about spirituality, which is not how that works. Like, oh, you didn't text me your steps for today. It's like this different, different animal. Totally, completely. You can't do that to this. And expect that's like you constricting and what you need to do is expand and relax. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, that Laura Abigail, when you did this session and you both saw the same thing, the United States government ran like they spent huge amounts of money studying something called remote viewing. Mm -hmm. And it is exactly what the two of you did. And Ingo Swan's written books about it. It's it's fascinating. So anyone who's interested in remote viewing, but it's one of those experiences the two of you have had that can net you can never unring that bell you know now if you have an image in your mind someone else may have it in theirs 
Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating. I was deeper like, than remote viewing. It's significant. It's not just like there's a plane on the tarmac. Like it, it was personal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like I, when we shared after, you know, we couldn't close the moment, and then we're sharing uh, the the results, so to speak. And I was like, I was just buzzing. Like I hadn't really felt that like energetic wonder of being like, "Are you serious? Really? <laughs> like this is yeah. fascinating." Um, it's like slumber party shit. Yeah. Like when you're a kid, the last time you were that excited and stoked about something, you were a child, generally speaking. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's bringing together work I'm already doing with like this new community of doing it for other people in a way that's like really rich and and just, and you don't have to wear like dream catchers and you don't have to start, you know, (laughs) telling everybody about the the gifts of rishi or something you know you could just incorporate it into your quote normal life mm-hmm. i think that's yeah. another big people when they start hearing about the woo they're like you know i don't have time for that i do this i don't want to change my life there's this real feeling that if i'm going to be quote spiritual i have to change everything about my life and it's a total misnomer and part of that's reinforced by asshats in the industry like coaches that are like you know what you're in the matrix. You got unplugged. It's like this whole, what are you talking about? This is 3D reality. Mm-hmm. It's like looking at everything like it's a prison. You have to set torch your previous life is is wild nonsense. Yeah. And Abigail knows that's it's a little culty. Like it, that shit of like whatever's come before is bullshit. It's like, mm, I don't think mm-hmm. so. A yeah. lot of this work is coming home to yourself and being like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this a little bit here in the Ted Andrews quote that I love where he's explaining as, you know, people that are clairsentient, claircognizant predominantly, meaning just they just know things. There's no whiz bang. He's like, those people are always waiting for the moment for the lights to turn on. But what if the lights have always been on? It, there's a, it's funny because you get exhilarated, but there's also anti-climax to it when you're really having breakthroughs where you're like, wait a minute, Magneto doesn't show up. I don't see lightning or like I don't get sparkle hands because we're so literal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I wanted it, to see things like with my my like practical eyes so many yeah. times. But yet like the the rich visual imagery that was in my mind's eye was like incredibly powerful. And I like bring it to, you know, real waking life by writing about it, by drawing about it. Um, and then it's like, how is that any different than just like reading a really good book or right. making a drawing yeah and that's the, the other book was jitterbug perfume oh yeah it's fantastic highly recommend and abigail moving forward you know and you maybe you could talk a little bit about your insights during the soul part recollection if you don't mind i know that's super super personal shit um and we're big on consent here but i was blown away by how awesome your realizations were like you're you really reclaimed some of your psychicness from childhood if you don't mind sharing some of that i think it's cool i'm happy to share i wrote it down in my notes to make sure i didn't forget um i it's so interesting first i just want to say this work is a lot more simple than i think people realize people make it complicated it's not complicated and i'd already been practicing on my own doing shamanic journeys before stepping into this program. And, but I don't know, something shifted because it's almost like making the commitment, (laughs) making the commitment. We're laughing about what's on screen guys. Sorry. Yeah. I Uh, think, I think there's a ghost moving Karen's (laughs) camera. (laughs) Oh good. It's Karen. (sighs) 
Thank God. We're all in controversy, Karen. There's something that happens energetically, as most people know, when you make a decision or you make a shift or you make a commitment, whether it's energetic, financial, tangible in some way, it does affect your energy. And so my journey started changing. And when I did the soul recollection journey, it was so emotional, so chaotic. And I actually had a memory or a piece. I I have very um, limited memories from before I was eight. And I started to remember that house that I lived in before we moved. I had memories of being attacked by an entity, being shoved out of my bed and waking up on the floor and not knowing what was happening. Um, And these memories kind of came to fruition after the journey. Some of it happened in the journey, but in the weeks that followed, like I, I woke up, I think I emailed Rachel a couple days ago. I woke up just in the morning. I went, oh my God, I remember I was communicating with other beings from my bedroom window when I was a kid. And I was like, where did that come from? And so it, I was, you know, and I'm thinking I'm crazy. And Rachel's like, oh yeah, no, that's, <laughs> oh yeah, that's this, that's that. And I went, wow, okay. So this site, and when I look at the path that my life took and how I ran from the psychic stuff with drugs and alcohol through my teenage years and all of that, Very common, by the way. Right. Realize that a lot of people that, you know, if you know somebody who's got a drinking problem, odds are they're psychic, they're empathic because alcohol makes that go away. Shuts that off. Yeah. It made so much sense. And also, um, I have diagnosed PTSD and I did uh, actually Rachel wrote about this in her Substack about doing a shadow journey. We just went Mm. through all that eclipse energy. So I did this shadow journey and What's so interesting is in this shadow journey, I got very violent. Like this is like Kali Ma energy. <laughs> and I was not literally. Not literally. In my, you know, in my mind's eye when I was in the in, you know, in this in this space, in this um altered, this shamanic state of consciousness. I I murdered this being that had been very toxic in my life. And what was interesting is when I'm in waking life and I'm, you know, in my awareness and I feel anger or upset, I feel it in my body. I felt none of that in the journey. So it was actually a form of release. So I think it's actually kind of helping me heal that PTSD yeah. because I'm in that meditative state, that theta state, and I'm processing these things and I'm releasing them and moving through them. So it's just- And been- you are doing it on your own for yourself. Right. It's the other crucial- element to this is people are like they get very addicted to a practitioner and practitioners feed this nonsense where they go you know you need me and you need to come in and and they know they get some kind of release or something good but it creates an enmeshed dynamic which for someone like you out of a cult within a cult not good knowing you can do this on your own is incredible Yep. That's, that's the other reason why I joined the program. Cause I was like, oh yeah, it's all about me discovering my truth and my answers, which is yep. the same thing I tell my clients. Like, look, you don't really need me. I'm just here to open the door, open the window. That's, that's good practitioner talk. Anytime someone's like, listen, I'm just kind of here <laughs> and I just mind the space a bit and I stay, I mainly try and stay out of the way. You're in good hands, but it's a, it's a hilarious sales technique because people are like wait a minute i'm paying you how much and you're telling me you're not going to do anything and you're like just give it a minute like just wait and watch it right 
but it's a, I think it's why so many people want to articulate something super concrete. It's just for sales. They don't, they don't know any more than anybody else. It's all in the gray middle, messy middle. What people have to get away from is sales. Yeah. <laughs> I think Stop. that. <laughs> Go ahead, oh, Karen. Karen, please. No, I didn't mean to cut you off, Abigail. Um, no, I, I just think that that's really two things you know, from being a, when I was a teacher, I focused on language. And I've said this before, like language limits us and we feel like we have to put into words so many things. And this work, and the reason why I think we're, you know, art is so powerful, when I was teaching, I, and this was before I was doing a lot of this, um, because I worked with kids that were autistic, you know, I, the whole spectrum, right? And it's all language. And, you know, when I got into academia and I said it was all language, I was like, well, that's a sign. Everything is all knowledge. It's like, it is. It freaking is. And if we can get away from the fact that language has to be these letters and sentences, but it can be the visual, it can be mm. the imagination, right? Because so much comes to us when we're in that creative space, like we were talking about, right? And I think um, our this need is like, okay, I found out I have this like gift, right? So I have to somehow market that and, or whatever that language, like that yeah. language even fucks us up. The fact that we have to market it. And it's almost like, can't we just like show up with it? Right. And then trust that those that are going to, and it's really kind of like, it's all about trust at the end of the day and having faith. Yeah. And, and we're in a system that, yeah, we have, we have to have money to survive. And I mean, we're in this economy, right? But when you have have a gift that can actually help other people and help yourself, I feel like as soon as we monetize that, we have to be very conscious of what is that monetization. Like yeah. what? It, and, and I struggle with that going from, you know, academia. So now I have an art studio and I'm trying to like pay my rent and do these things, right? And I'm and like, do I sell it? I'm like, I don't know. But right now, I'm okay just creating it, and I'm not right sure. Now. Right, right That's now. The key. And I think that, yeah, it's kind of scary because I said, you know, when I worked for all my years in schooling and, you know, the university, it was easy to show up and teach and do creative things because, you know, um, I had, I, I knew I was getting paid and then my students were there because they signed up. And now it's like this other space where who's going to show up if I offer a workshop? I don't know. Um, and it, I, you know, doing moon circles, but I, I always go back to like whoever shows up was supposed to show up and there's right. something for me to learn and for them to learn. And I think the best people who work as healers are those that allow you to show up as who you are. And then, you know, it's always about the questions. And I think mm -hmm. when you go away from any experience with, you know, I don't know, I hate to say this, but like more questions than answers, that's actually a good thing because that's your curiosity. Yes, you take that path. But when you show up and you say, okay, Rachel's going to give me all the answers. So I'll be done in three months. Like, you know, who fucking does that? I'm sorry. I'm just, uh, it, <laughs> no, but I'm just. No comment. <laughs> that's my point is like, because even, and I think that's where coming from an educated, education yeah. background sometimes serves me because it's like, I had kids show up all over the spectrum and like, I'm supposed to teach everybody to do one thing or whatever, a concept. But everyone comes into that concept with their own personal experience. So everyone's journey, it's like when we all read the same novel, 
We can all read the same book and come away with a different perspective on it. Why? Because we're taking everything who we are to that story, even if we're not conscious of it. So I feel like these experiences and these conversations we get more out of than, you know, showing up, you know, for, you know, a six week class that at the end days to six figures that that nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, go on. No, no, no. That's a good tangent. And I'll tell you, as someone who sat in rooms with very, very high level salespeople, like on high level, like we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars worth of work from clients like Google or whatever it is, nobody does aggressive sales that's good at it. Um, At the highest of the high in corporate, let's just say, the top salespeople are people who believe in what they do and they just meet with clients and ask them what they need. And it's instead of being called sales, it's called solutions development. (laughs) And that's one of those things from corporate that I actually liked. I was like, yeah, you're developing solutions and it's deciding if it's a good mutual fit because by the way, it's going to be like our team on it and we may not work well together. And it's such vast sums of money. It has to be a really good fit and there has to be optimal alignment there and agreement on everything because otherwise lawyers come out and nobody wants that nonsense. So it's a lot of, of that. And I, what I've seen in the world of, you know, psychic practitioners or coaches or energy workers is this, I've heard more of them use the phrase sales funnel than I ever heard in my actual career doing that work. And it grosses me out. Um, you just have this immediate like, bleh to hearing that shit or like my street team. Have you guys heard the phrase street team? It's basically an MLM or a pyramid scheme. They're like, and, and if these people, like if they refer people, they get a little bit of money or whatever. And I'm like, shit do you hear yourself like you're creating herbal life basically yeah oh <laughs> sorry abigail yeah that just i'm made sure me... you have a story here i'm sorry but when you said street team i thought what's the dynamic that influencers and brand ambassadors work off of again hmm. yeah it's that it's it's that's my street team and they're all paid and it's all this weird whatever and it's all commission structured and my whole thing is you know because i make money and i sell things that those are true statements like you know i also take a daily shit do do i like that about my human experience no it happens though like we have to face reality sorry i didn't mean to destroy the illusion for any male listeners that females do not ever defecate i know that's gonna be a tough day for you hit me up i'll refer you to some therapists (laughs) and by the way if you're in your 30s or 40s and you still be like that's where you're at I'm, i'm sorry society has failed you but you know, those are, it's, you could see it as ugly. You could just see it as like, this is a necessity. This is a thing. Right. But I believe in what I have and what I do. And like, I just ran a 75% off sale on Etsy purely because I got my feng shui certification and I'm OCD. And I was like, there's too much shit in this house. I'm not even kidding. It was absolutely just, you know, energy where energy was flowing for me. And I was like, I just feel like doing it. I have no idea what's going to come of that. It wasn't like I sat down and crunched the numbers. And you'll find people who operate at very high levels in business, they don't do that. They just kind of do stuff. And, you know, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called Blink about it. How some people, it's this maximum intuitive thing. Really good stockbrokers, when he'd sit down with them and be like, how did you know that trade was going to be that? They're like, yeah, you just get a feeling like a witch vibe. Some people even called it a witch vibe. And tuning into whatever that is for you and just doing that. And it'll just work. It's the wildest thing. Nobody knows anything you don't know. And if you focus on sales, 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 and you never leave people alone, they're gonna they're gonna put you on mute, dude. 
that, that nobody likes that. It's harassing. It feels weird. It feels transactional too. I think people are done with transactional relationships. Like I got a message from somebody yesterday who I haven't heard from since I was, by the way, laid off, which I was very happy about. But let's, it, it is what it is. Like I was laid off. And they were probably like, oh, that must have been tough during COVID and your husband's a chef. And hey, are you still housed? Like none of that happened for three and a half years. And now they need something. And the minute I saw it, and it was in the middle of the night, and I was like, probably not. Like not to punish, not to be petty, but that feeling like, Karen, you know, this the sense of you hold it in your body. How does it feel? If it feels incongruous, just being like, that's not for me actually, but thank you very much. Um, and to that end, all of you, you know, you've been through a journey and you're real people. You're not like an influencer or coach. You don't have a 38 bullet point list or whatever that shit is. What would you, if you could give people listening one recommendation for them to bear in mind on their spiritual journey, what would it be? And I'm going to start with Laura and it doesn't have to be that deep, you know, no pressure, but just something that you picked up that you were like, I wish I had like a bone deep knowledge of that day one because I probably could have gotten there faster or just in hindsight, something people could put to action or bear in mind. I would watch birds. I like that. And not like, by all means, if you want to go bird watching, go bird watching. But like, look <laughs> outside of just your immediate surroundings and just watch birds. They're fascinating. And I yeah. say that as a way of like reconnecting to curiosity. So like, I have a little bird feeder outside my office window and they bring me such joy throughout the day. They fight with each other, which is hilarious. I'm like, guys, there's especially little sparrows when they fight with each other because they're so pugnacious and they're this big. Yeah. Yes. Um, But there's I feel like this whole process has kind of reconnected me to what could be considered mundane. But it's actually quite fascinating, this world that we live in, like the the ins and outs of the patterns on the the birds' feathers and their weird micro movements. I mean, they're like little dinosaurs. They're fascinating. They are dinosaurs. So I would watch birds. <laughs> well, and what you're describing is a sense of awe and wonder at the mundane, which is not mundane. And that's very Kabbalah to be like, you know, God is everywhere. God is everything. It's in that. It's miraculous. Everything's interconnected. When we lose that, and I think people lose that in particular when they're like, my human design is, and my anagram, and you, and not that those things aren't useful, but when they go down that like spiral and it gets increasingly myopic and they're just looking at, at something right in, like a dot right in front of them instead of expanding their gaze, mm-hmm. they're, yeah. they're missing the point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's, it's all magic, dude. Like all of it. That's yeah. So- um, Abigail, any suggestions, recommendations, tips? I would say, um, I mean, I could go on on this, but the biggest, most important thing, I think, whether you're an artist or not, I would say create art. I don't care if it's good art. I don't care if it's a painting. I don't care if it's a poem. I don't think, I don't care if it's with Play-Doh. It uses a different part of your brain. And we're so linear and logical in the society. We are so glued to our phones, to Instagram, to TV, to movies, to news, which the amount of programming there, let's not get started. Television programming. (laughs) That was my Alex Jones moment. Thank you for teeing that one up. You softballed it in. Human animal hybrids. I'm sorry. I just love, he's a meme. I love memes. Sorry, Abigail. (laughs) It's okay. 
and and the biggest thing with creating art is, I mean, first of all, I think all art is channeled. Whether you're writing a story, yes. a novel, you're painting, sculpting, you know, creating a character. If you're an actor, you're channeling, and so you're connecting with that divine. Part of my thing and with my business, I have this. It's sort of like my holy trinity. And you said this. You spoke to this earlier. Creativity, divinity, and sexuality. Because I think those are all the three things that are all the same. And you need to be nurturing all of those. And they all, I could go on. Anyway, creating the art shifts you out of that linear logical and opens you up to be able to trust yourself, to tap into that sense of childlike wonder and joy so that when you go watch the birds, you're you appreciate the mundane, you see the magic in the mundane, you're more grateful, you have more love in your heart. It just, yeah. it's like, it's, it's the, it's the door opening. It's, it's art alchemy. It's a great way to, to transmute trauma as well. <laughs> yeah. Karen? Well, ditto what Abigail and Laura said. And, and I think for, when you said the birds, I thought about sitting at the base of a tree. I mean, just nature. Um, but what came to me when you asked that question is, take a pause. And what I mean by that is it, in any moment, like if someone says something and you already have your response, before you respond, take a deep breath and then see what comes. We so often are not listening, right? Not even, I mean, I'm talking about ourselves as well as other people. So I think a practice that I've had, which probably helps me leave my mind sometimes and listen to what my body or wherever it's coming from. I mean, I, I think there's this idea that, you know, and when Laura, Abigail was talking about creating art, that's definitely true. And, um, and I think sometimes we don't pause enough and the yeah. pause doesn't have to be you know, looking at the birds right away or getting a notebook, it could just simply be before I go into that meeting, I'm going to take a couple of deep breaths, get my, get into my body before I walk in. Yeah. And I know that probably sounds really basic, but I think no, it's no one does different that. because, you know, we, we, we walk into spaces with energy. And if we can mm -hmm. walk into that space, more grounded in our own body there'll be a, there's a difference I, there is what you're describing is also creating space people think of space as physical as mm -hmm. like being material but space can also be temporal and liminal and when you create that space you have a pause you can receive things mm -hmm. yeah and abigail you want to say something karen what she was talking just got me really excited about you know grounding and being present in your body in this you know world of woo and spiritual work so many people want to focus on well i'm connecting with the light beings and they're all because it upper. feels good because it, it does feel high. good but yeah. we are human and we're in human bodies and we cannot forget about the lower chakras we cannot forget about being in our body and that's been one of my biggest journeys in the last year is really getting back into my body so i'm like yes caring 100 percent and well, the body you. is is wise and you know what the the bird watching bit, Laura, what I think of when we or what I thought of when you mentioned that was the concept of sometimes life is chopping wood and carrying water, right? And I think there are people who really get addicted to the highs of the spiritual 
space and the exploration. All they want are those high notes. They want to be titillated. They want hyper novelty, you know, and like this simulacra of what we live in on screens. They want that all the time. They want, you know, the extra spicy double cheddar Doritos in their mouth. They want that version of it. And it's like your palate's blown out. You need to take a pause. You need to chill. You need to recalibrate and come back to planet Earth. You are a human. Start like, and and anybody who introduces themselves as a starseed, I met someone, she was just, you know, I'm an ascendant being. And I was like, oh my God, what? And I could not stop laughing. And she got so offended. I was like, I'm sorry. If you don't see that that shit's hilarious and you're so funny, I don't, I wasn't even trying to be mean. I was like, this is just funny. I, I don't know what else to say to you. That's what a way to like introduce yourself to a stranger. Like, hey, by the way, my name's uh, Stephanie. I'm an ascended being. And it's like, all right, I'll go there with you. But also that's really funny because you're in a flesh suit. I'm looking at you I'm here. We're both at Soho House. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I didn't know. I didn't know the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas were hanging out at Soho House on a Monday afternoon that's fascinating and not that i'm speaking of anyone in particular of course um well let's go ahead and pull a card and i will provide your links in the show notes guys but after i pull a card let everyone know where they can find you if you want to be found i don't really care it's up to you people just listen for the conversations it's the weirdest thing it's amazing like the secret to podcasting is actually just having conversations people want to listen to who, who knew all right, let's pull a card from in our sponsor, the Totem Tarot deck. If I don't pull it fairly, I get a lawyer letter. It, it's a whole nightmare. The woman who owns this company is a real bitch. We are going to make, by the way, ads for like record them. Let's say the Totem Tarot deck. And they are going to be disturbing and dark. And I can't wait. All right. Oh, I love this. The Seven of Moons, the Seven of Cups. And this is all about finding those deep, divine, spiritual insights and points of revelation through wandering. And like the the Goldilocks and the Three Bears, like this porridge is too cold. This is too hot. This bed is too firm. And not knowing what it is until you get in there and you feel it. And people don't like that. Like when this card comes up in a reading, I'm like, just go do stuff. And they're like, what stuff? I'm like, you'll know. And they're like, but what happens? I go, I don't know. And they don't understand that I'm like excited for them. And they're like, this doesn't sound, this sounds like a giant nothing burger. And it's like, no, there's going to be something magical in there. But it's a reveal. Remember in the prices, right? Like what's behind door number one or two? It's the the magic of the seven of moons is the, the reveal of it to me anyway. I love that card. So Karen, why don't you let people know where they can find you? And you don't have to tell them you're doing mediumship or anything. Trust me, they'll respect your space. Well, I'm, I'm right now I'm in San Diego, California and um, you're on planet earth I'm on today. Planet earth. today I, find, I literally landed like late last night. So I, that was my battery was going dead on my computer when you saw the movie. Oh, yeah. anyway, anyway, irrelevant information right now, but, um, no, uh, I have a website wisdom collective, um, and also on Instagram wisdom collective.kc and yeah, right now, um, I'm showing my art at the Studio Door Gallery in San Diego, and um, I'm open to doing readings and things like that. And like I say, I really am feeling like 
the 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 card you pulled, Rachel, because the question was, where do we go with this? And um, I'm just grateful right now that I even have the opportunity. And that's one thing I want, I guess I just have to share is that to do spiritual work of any kind, that's a privilege. So, mm-hmm. so the fact that we even have the opportunity to have this conversation and have this space, I have such gratitude for that. Because there are Me people too. that walk on this planet that don't even have a moment to consider like what that is. So I think yeah. always holding that space of gratitude is really important for me. And so I'm just grateful that I'm able to show up. And if, you know, my art or my sound healing helps someone, that's awesome, you know. Um, and I just feel like that's really where I'm at right now is just trying to um, walk where I guess spirit or whatever you want to call it's guiding me, but it's really me guiding me at the end of the day, right? Because I in dead people, but I, yeah, in dead people. In I, your I, case, yeah, the dead people are showing up, man. But that's um, that's one thing that's probably always been present, and it goes mm-hmm. back to what we pay attention to, right? And when we're ready for it, because yeah. I think that's another piece of advice would be, you know. You may want the spiritual work, but you may you may not be ready for it at that moment. You're only ready for like little things. I mean, there's always stuff, but anyway, that probably yeah. doesn't make sense. But I just feel like for me, it's just about not rushing it and being in the pause is okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Abigail. Um, so you can find me on my website, which is sacredhealingartla.com. LA is in Los Angeles. That's where I'm located. And my Instagram is sacred healing underscore art. And that's probably the best place to to go because my link in my bio has links to my Etsy shop and uh, the website and class schedules, workshops, all the things. I do remote sessions. I also do things in person here in LA. And my art is actually also right now downtown in a gallery at the Emerging Artist Gallery. So that'll be there for a while. And um Oh, I was going to say something that Karen made. <laughs> oh, um, in terms of the card poll, what it reminded me of is as we were discussing the, you know, being in our bodies for me, and this is very important, tapping into truth, you know, trusting my gut, my intuition, you know, a lot of people have experienced toxic environments where they get that injury, that instinct injury, and they feel like they can't trust themselves. Part of knowing what the truth is, is feeling it physically. Like you were saying, Karen, about sitting with that, with the mediumship and going, oh, but this feels good. That's how you know something is truthful. And that's how you know who to trust with who you want to work with, be it for a healing session or, you know, spiritual transformation coaching. So that is why being in your body is very important. And um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm uh, doing a little bit of consulting for good a good friend of mine. I've worked with him at several real estate companies. And he, when he left one of them, he wrote an email with a Maya Angelou quote. And it was, people forget what you tell them. People forget what you do. But people never forget how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And you think of that in one way. But then when you were just talking, it's like you do remember. You have a sense memory of how you feel in someone's presence, whether it's good or bad or somewhere in between on that spectrum. And I think it's memorable for a reason because it's true, right? Mm-hmm. And just true for you. And not saying like everybody gives you bad feelings a bag of shit. They're just not for you. Mm-hmm. But by the way, side note, footnote, they are a bag of shit. Um, 
yeah, don't get into that whole thing either. Listen to yourself. Read Gavin DeBecker's The Gift of Fear. Call me in the morning. So, Laura, how about you? Where can people find you? What are you up to? Multiple Instagrams each thing but the best place is my main which is at a specific zero and my website for my personal work if you want to see it is lauraoxendine.com and on instagram you may be able to see some birds or some drawings or some weird crazy visuals or some (laughs) some various things on my stories and you're are you actively doing this sort of psychic channeled art bit that, by the way, is Hero. That's Abigail's puppy. Really, I was wants, like, what is really wants to work with Laura. Are you <laughs> doing those practice sessions or sessions for people now, Laura, and sending them their cool little box of stuff? I I am open to that. Yes. I think cool. that it's going to be a few more pa- practice sessions just for me to get my feet wet and then possibly making it a service. Or I, I want to do a little, we're going to give myself a little budget. And do a little prototype for like a little memory box. Um, so th- that may be uh, upcoming, but I'm sure I'll post about it at one of these one of these days. We're, we're so in the experimental phase right now. The beta testing. Yes. Fail small, fail early, and fail often. Right. <laughs> and thank you to all of those who have been my practice session uh, clients. All of you are so so wonderful and grateful for you. Everybody loved it. And and thank you guys for sharing this. I really do. It's funny when I heard you say some of this before, I was like, this needs to be a goddamn TED talk because so many of those, you know, I watch them fairly frequently and I'm left disappointed a lot. And it always feels like if it gets into the woo, it's very reductionist and it's not very human scale. It's about like stuff and ideas and not people. And what I just think people learn more from human scaled examples and anecdotes than anything. And like the more specific or funny or whatever, the better, the more it sticks with you, right? So thank you all so much. And everybody, their contact information will be in the show notes. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you.